Turn please to Romans, the fourth chapter. Romans chapter 4, and we will uh, continue on the series we began some few weeks ago called Exceedingly Growing Faith. Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 19, talking about Abraham. It said, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. One of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible is Abraham. We are called his children, children of faith. And uh, this, by the Holy Spirit, this is a summary of his faith life and one of the greatest examples of his faith as they believed for the birth of uh, Isaac. And uh, it tells you in verse 19 that he wasn't weak in faith. So we know you can be. But he, he wasn't. You could be. A lot of people are. And it tells you how he uh, stopped himself from being weak in faith. It had to do with what he considered and what he didn't consider. What he would look at and think about or what he wouldn't look at and think about. He, he wouldn't look at and think and talk about how old he was and how old Sarah was or about how biologically they were incapable of having a child at this point, how even as a young woman she couldn't conceive. He refused to look at that. This is, it doesn't take long to say it, but this is key. You know, every day we got choices. That's right. What are we going to look at? What are we going to think about? What are we going to talk about? You can't be strong in faith about your bills getting paid and you just look at your bills all day Amen. and talk about your bills all day. You will be weak in faith if you consider how much you owe and how much you need. We need this. We need this. We got to have this. We got to have that. That's not going to help you. That's going to hurt you. We're not saying it's not real and it's not true. It's there. You just don't need to keep it on your mind. You don't need to consider it, look at it, and talk about it. You won't be strong in faith if you look and talk about how you feel and the bad report and the symptoms. I hurt. I'm worse. Well, that may be true and it's unpleasant, but if you're going to be in faith to be healed, you've got to quit talking about it. You've got to quit. I didn't say it was easy. You've got to quit looking at that and not just look at nothing. You look at your healer. You look at what he said. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. By his stripes, I'm healed. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Is that right? You got to look at that. You got to think about that. You got to talk about that. 
So Abraham wouldn't consider his body and Sarah's body. He is, and, and that's why he wasn't weak in faith. If you're weak in faith, it's because you're minding, thinking, talking the wrong things. That's right. But he was what? He was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what the Lord had said, he was able to perform. What did he think about? What did he consider instead of considering his body? He considered what God said. Amen. The Lord told him, I've made you a father of many nations. Hallelujah. He, and, and so he overlooked and ignored what his body's telling him, what Sarah's body's telling him. He, he overlooked it. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, but it's not bigger than God. And he said, oh, somebody say he said. He said that he was the father of many nations. He said they're going to have a child. He said, and so he looked at that. He talked about that. He thought about that. Wouldn't even let him call him Abram anymore. <laughs> so every time somebody called his name, they're saying father of many nations. Right? And they don't have a child uh, between the two of them. So uh, that's how he avoided being weak in faith and became strong in faith. Now we, we've been looking the last several weeks at uh, people that Jesus said had little faith and why it was that way. Do you want to be a little faith or you, don't, you want to go to the other category, the great faith? Because uh, Jesus referred to people as having no faith. He referred to others as having little faith. And some he referred to as having Great faith. Uh, how many with me? I want to. I want to be in the great faith category. I want to function there. I want to stay there because you know what happens with the great faith people? Great things. Great things happen. <laughs> no faith, nothing happens. Little faith, little happens. Great faith, great things happen when there's great faith. Glory, ready for some great things in 2017? Well, we're not waiting on him. It has to do with our faith. And so we're, uh, we're about the business of coming out of no faith and little faith and coming over into the great faith category. In Matthew 14, Matthew 14, Thanks be to God. In Matthew 14, just verse 31, I want to review just a little bit. And if you hadn't been with us, you can catch up with us. You can go back in the, uh, in the foyer and there's uh, CDs and DVDs. Well, the easiest, quickest way is go online and you can watch any of this, listen to any of this. won't cost you anything. Uh, in this particular occasion, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now that's King James. He just said, why did you doubt? We need to take this question seriously. What, what does it mean when he says, why did you doubt? When the Lord asks you a question, he expects a response. 
why did you doubt implies you didn't have to. Didn't have to. And why did you doubt means you need to, in order to keep this from happening again, you need to find out why you did. Hmm? You need to find out what, what did I do wrong? Elsewise, you, you're going to repeat it again and again and again. Why did you doubt? In other words, when he says, O thou of little faith, what was it that prevented Peter's faith from being great faith? What was the hindrance here? Now we can see uh, what we saw in Matthew 6 when uh, the Lord said, Take no thought saying, what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to put on? He said, take no thought. And he said, uh, consider the lilies. Well, what's he saying? Don't take anxious thought about that. Don't look at that. Don't worry about that. Look at this. See, so still saying the same thing we've been talking about. Does it matter what you look at? Does it matter what you think about? Yes. What you talk about? Yes. Now here, here's a big one. You'll hear many people say, well, I try not to worry. <laughs> right? I try not to think about it. I, I try not to get upset. I try not to get in fear. Can you control what you look at? Yes. Can you control what you listen to? Yes. What you talk about? Yes then you can control whether you worry or not. Then you can control whether you get into fear or not. The reason fear gets so bad and worry gets so strong is because it's fed. It's fed. You keep looking at the same stuff. The enemy will try to get you to loop loop. Anybody know what I mean by a loop? You know, in, in the audio world, video world, computer world, what's a loop? It's something that repeats. It just, it just keeps repeating. Same thing over and over. I know the Lord showed me this some years ago. I was talking to a person and, and they had some things they were dealing with, but they were, they were going over in the exact same words what the problem was for about the eighth time in 20 minutes. I, I've already heard this exact same thing. And the Lord said to me, he said, they're looping. The enemy's got them in a loop. They just talking about how bad it was, what had happened, how much it hurts. Well, I'm not diminishing that it hurt and that it was bad, but do you want to stay there or do you want to come out? I said, do you want to stay there? No. Or do you want to come out? come out? And not just stay there. You keep looping. It's going to get worse. Amen. Worse. The fear, the angst, the, the depression, the heaviness will get worse and worse and worse. Romans 8 talks about this. In fact, you can put it on the screen for us. What is it? About verse 5. Romans 8, 5. I believe that's right. 
They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What makes a spiritual person spiritual and a carnal, fleshly person carnal? It's what you keep on your mind. <laughs> spiritual people keep their mind on the right things. Carnal people, fleshly dominated people, keep their mind on whatever they see, whatever they feel, whatever comes to them. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is what? Death. death. It works death in you. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Isaiah said, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. It's not hard to discern what folks are thinking about. Look at what it's doing to them. Look at yourself. Hmm? It, it should be real simple to us. If I'm staying down, I'm staying upset, I'm thinking on the wrong thing. And if you say, well, I can't help it, you're believing a lie. A lot of folks will say, I can't help but be upset. I can't help but be scared. I can't help but worry. Back up. Can you help what you listen to? Yes. Can you help what you look at yes. and talk about? Yes. Then you can help from worrying right. or fearing. Now, this is no small thing. Millions of church-going people believe they are helpless to stop worrying or fearing. They just don't believe the Bible. How many, well, it's quiet in here. We've all made mistakes in this area. We're not pointing any fingers. What we're talking about, is it possible or not to not worry, to not fear? If you say, well, no, I can't help it. Are you saying you can't help what you think on or what you look at or what you listen to? You have no control. Then who's at the wheel? Uh -oh. <laughs> who's driving? <laughs> you got no control over what you listen to or look at? Yeah, you do. I said, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Look in, uh, we'll just put it on the screen for us, John uh, 14, 1. John 14, 1. What did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. Did he say try? No. No? no. He said don't let it. Don't let it. You believe in God, believe also in me. Later in the same chapter he said don't let it fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. This is from the master. So that means we must have the ability hmm, to not yield to being troubled, to not yield to being afraid. Now you're going to be tempted. Thoughts are going to come depending on the situation. Feelings are going to come, but you've got, you got a choice. Am I just going to despair and yield to this and sit here and think about it all day or lay here in despair? Or am I going to resist it? Am I going to make myself change the channel? Glory to God. 
Start looking at something else. Start talking about something else. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. I didn't say it was all easy, but this is how you do it. And one of the greatest, uh, put up on the screen if you would, Joshua 1.8. One of the greatest weapons you have in this fight is right under your nose. <laughs> right under your nose. It's your mouth. <laughs> Notice what he said. This book of the law, today we got the whole word of God. It'll not depart out of what? Your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, which did he mention first, mouth or meditate? Mouth. 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 It'll not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. I know the Lord showed me this nearly 30 years ago about what you can do with your mouth in this conflict. So many times people try to wage a silent internal mental battle. Wrong thoughts come, wrong feelings come, and you catch yourself and you've been looking at the wrong thing and you're starting to worry and fear and you go, no, 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 no. No, you may not even say anything out loud. You just go, no, it's the wrong thought. Mm-mm-mm. No, the right thought. Mm-mm-mm. No, wrong thought. Mm-mm-mm. And you try to internally, silently, no, I got to think the right thing. It's the wrong thing again. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Not realizing. You and I are designed to speak and overpower that process. I'll prove it to you. I want to, right now, I want you to, when I say begin, I want you to start mentally counting from 1 to 25. When I say begin, you're going to go. You're not, not out loud, you're just going to inside, 1 to 25. But while you're doing that, I'm going to lead you in a confession. <laughs> but don't stop counting. Are you ready? Focus now, focus. <laughs> Begin counting mentally, quietly, internally from 1 to 25. Begin counting now. Jesus is Lord. Keep counting. By his stripes, stripes, I am healed. healed. How you doing? Huh? How'd you? You know why? You know why? When you speak, it superimposes what you're saying on your thought process. It's one of the most powerful things we have. So when these thoughts are, are bombarding you, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. Don't just sit there and try to fight a silent mental battle. Open your mouth. Speak up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
your mind has to stop and listen to that. Oh, did you see it? Did you see it? Your mind has to stop and listen to that. Yeah, but it hurts, and yeah, but the report, and yeah, but this, and yeah, but this, and you say, by his stripes, I am healed with long life. He'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. I'll not die young or early, but I will live and declare the works and the glory of God. Now, your mind just can't do much while you're saying that. Now, if when you quit saying it, the wrong thoughts pile back in, come on, help me out, help me out. Crank her up again. Is that, get, get, make your mouth do its duty. And if you're really in a conflict, as soon as you stop talking, here it'll come back. But if you'll do it enough, sometimes it takes a bit, but if you'll do it enough, then when you quit talking, those same thoughts keep going. Renewing the mind. Come on, can you see this? This is the process of renewing the mind. Now, the enemy is a persistent cuss, and so you may be doing pretty good one day, and the next day, here it comes, the feelings and the thoughts bombarding you again. This is what one of the Bible refers to it as fighting, the good fight of faith. Now, in this, you, you'll see another great tool. That, that goes hand in hand with this. We see, we saw um, last Sunday, I believe it was. Wh where are you right now? What scripture are you in? Okay. Go to Matthew 16, please. Well, that one thing right there was worth you coming to church this morning. I tell you, the, the enemy did not want you to know that. And even if you did, if you forgot it, he didn't want you reminded. So... <laughs> You, this, this will put you on a strong footing of how to deal with anything. And all you got to do is look at what these thoughts are doing to you. If it's bringing you down, if it's hurting you, if it's vexing you, if it's tormenting you, you are being carnally minded and it's ministering death to you. You got to stop it. You don't have to, but if you want to have victory, you've got to. And nobody can do this for you. God's not going to make you think what you should think. He's not going to. And the devil can't make you think. Oh, he'll tell you he can, but he's a liar. He can't. He cannot force you to think and look at what you choose not to. But you've got, you've got to put up some resistance. You've got to resist it. You've got to use your mouth. You do it enough, it'll renew your mind. And you get to where you'll go hours at a time and not think those wrong things. And then you go longer than that and longer than that. And you can get to where you go days at a time. Hmm? Next thing you know, you're healed. <laughs> the money comes. You got your answer. You got your victory. In Matthew 16, we saw last time another example of little faith and why. In Matthew 16, 5. There's another thing we need to get out of this before we go on. When his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Anybody remember this from last week? They forgot to take bread. What did they do about the bread? Forgot. 
And this will come in later on. They forgot. It's one of the greatest weaknesses of human beings is forgetting. They forgot. One of the, one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit is he brings to your remembrance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we hadn't taken, we'd taken no bread. When Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith. So this is another example of faith being small. And why? What was it that caused their faith to be little? What prevented it from becoming great? He said, why reason you among yourselves? Because you brought no bread. Keep going. Do you not yet understand? Neither remember. Everybody say remember. Why, why was it little faith? Why was this situation this way? We, we talked last week about how that the more you fear, the worse you hear. Fear and anxiety distort your hearing. You can get to where if you're, if you're afraid and worried enough, you don't even hear what people say sometimes. You, they say one thing, you hear something else. He's not talking to them about them not taking provisions. He's talking to them spiritually. They're not even on the same channel. And it was because of fear and worry. But here he says, don't you remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? The seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? <laughs> what, what was the problem here? They didn't remember. Faith remembers what God has done. And it is a foundation, and it is an inspiration. Oh, can you say amen? amen? Keep going. He said, how is it that you don't understand that I spoke, spoke it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? So, if they had remembered what had just happened, what God had just done hours before and then days before that, the implication is here their faith would not have been little. It would have been stronger. The psalmist said, bless the Lord. In fact, put it on the screen for us. Psalm 103, please. Psalm 103 and 1. Anybody know this one? Psalm 103 and 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Keep going. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, if you don't forget all his benefits, then you are remembering all. Everybody say all. All his benefits. Does it matter? Yes. Whether you remember it or whether you forget it? Yes. 
You, many people might think, well, it'd be better to remember it, but it's, not to, it, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than better. It's a determining factor in whether you have victory now or not. Why? Well, he gives an example. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forgetting not all his benefits, who, who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. Do you, rem- do you need to remember every time the Lord forgave you and blessed you and helped you? Do you need to remember every time he healed you? Hmm? Do you need to? You need to. Why? It puts you in that same overcoming frame of mind. He did this, and 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 this, and this, and this, and he'll sure do this too. Come on, can you see that? But the enemy, the enemy is continually trying to get you to let it go. Let it slip. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. And the longer you go not talking and thinking about it, it fades until he wants you to get to the place where you're looking at this issue and this need and you're not aware of any other things that God has done for you and you'll try to tell where is your God? And try to imply that he never does anything for you and You'll hear this. Have you ever heard somebody say, maybe it came out of your mouth, don't raise your hand, but. <laughs> well, they never did anything for me. Oh, you ever heard somebody say that kind of? Yes. And, and yet, the, the people they're talking about have done scores of things for them, hundreds of things for them. How you get to the place where you say they never did anything for me? You know, that's what the uh, elder son the story of the prodigal son. That's what the elder son told his father. He said, you never gave me anything. You never even gave me a little kid of the goat so I could have a party with my friends. Lies, 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 lies. He said, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. He had given him everything. And yet he'd been so unthankful until he got to where he believed such lies. He believed the father was depriving him. The opposite of what is true. Friend, we need to, and that's a good thing, we need to stir ourselves up every day in thankfulness. Yes. Amen. Reminding ourselves what God has done for us. Amen. It's not just a good thing. It's not just a religious thing. It's a, a weapon in your spiritual fight that will keep you aware of God's faithfulness and inspire your faith. Can you say amen? What did he say, verse 2? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all. If If you forget not all, we'd say you remember all. It'd be good to write some things down. Is that right? To help you remember. 
and to just go back over them and go back over them. And, and anytime you had a financial or material need, go back over all the financial blessings that he did for you. Is that right? Just keep, man, he did this. And look what he did here. Remember when he did that? And if it's your spouse or your family or your friend, talk about it. You remember when the Lord did this? You remember in 72? You remember in 78? You remember in 85? You remember? You remember in 99? You remember what he did? Remember what he did? Oh, friend, it does wonders for your faith. And it just slaps the devil sideways when he comes trying to tell you God won't do it and God's not faithful. And because he, you're standing in, in the face of all this blessing. That's right. You're going to tell me God won't do it? He's already done it. He's done it my whole life. You're going to tell why wouldn't he do it this time? What's changed? But there are many, many Christians that by, for lack of being thankful and lack of recounting and remembering, the enemy's got them in a state of mind where they're acting like God never does anything for them and like he's unfaithful and forsaken them. And everybody say lies, 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 lies. Forget not. What are we going to remember? He forgives all your iniquities. How many times has he forgiven you, Saint? Come on, how many times? How many times has he restored you? He heals. Well, now, what does all mean? It means the 384 times the past several years. Well, if all means all, that means this one today. Is that right? Or the one tomorrow, all means all. He heals all your diseases. The same word is used describing how many diseases he heals as how many iniquities he forgives. If you're going to say he doesn't heal all diseases, you've got to say he doesn't forgive all iniquities. It's the same word. Same word. Verse 4. He redeems your life from destruction. That's protecting you, keeping you, guarding you, guiding you. Every day, somebody say every day, every day, every day, everywhere I go. He crowns you with loving kindnesses and tender mercies. Verse 5. He satisfies your mouth with good. Has he ever given you any good thing? Will he really give you some more good things? Yes. Fill your life up with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You're not supposed to just wind down, wind down, wind down. You're supposed to get quickened. Yes. Is that right? But if you go around talking, I'm just so old and everything's wearing out. Nothing works anymore. Well, if you say so. But you could say something else. You could say, he renews my youth. He renews my youth. And you could get a zap. You could get a zap. You could get a quickening. Is that right? <laughs> youth is renewed like the eagles. This is what David did concerning Goliath. Put, put off the screen for me, please. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. 
You, you know this, but I want you to be reminded of it. 1 Samuel 17, 33. David came out and all the men were afraid of Goliath. He's boasting and daring them, anybody to come fight him. And David, had, he heard about it and he said, I'll go fight him. He's just a teenager, shepherd boy. And so something about the way he said it, they brought him to the king. And he told the king, I'll go fight him. And Saul, the king, said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. In other words, you got a good heart, kid, but <laughs> come on. You're just a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. And this is a mountain of a man. Verse 34, David said to Saul, oh, come on, anybody listening? Faith speaks. We having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. When the heart's full of something, it comes out of the mouth, good or bad. <laughs> but in this case, it's good. He said, your servant kept his father's sheep. What's he doing? Come on, what's he doing? He's remembering. And there came a lion, and there came a bear, and they took a lamb out of the flock. And I said, no, you don't. No, no you don't. Not my lamb. Not my lamb, you don't. Yeah, but he's a bear. Don't matter. That's right. Yeah, but he's a lion. I went out after him. You did what? You did what? <laughs> now, this is not a fairy tale. A bear runs into the flock, grabs a lamb, takes off with it. David runs after him and catches him. Most people don't want to catch a bear, <laughs> especially if he thinks you're trying to take his lunch away from him. He runs after, he catches him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he was unhappy about that, and he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard. You did what? You did what? <laughs> and smote him and slew him. And he said, tell all your buddies, you don't mess with David Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 36, your servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised, no covenant, nobody Philistine will be like one of them because he messed with the wrong flock. He messed with the wrong because he's defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, keeps talking. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the bear. Come on, what's he doing? Come on, can you see this? What's he doing? He's remembering. He's remembering what God did for him, and this is inspiring his faith. Right? As he recounts it, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the bear, he will, not might, we'll see, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And, and what David was saying had so much faith on it that Saul said, go. 
and the Lord be with you. Why? How does he go from, buddy, you can't do this, to go? Faith. Faith. This is not little faith. This is big faith. Come on, can you see this? How did his faith, was it prevented from being little? How did it blossom into big faith, into great faith? He's not considering the bigness of the man. He's not considering his own inexperience. Oh, come on, is anybody in this place with me? He, he's not looking at that. He's not talking about that. But instead, he's remembering. Oh, he's remembering what God did for him with the bear and with the lion, and it stirred up his faith so much. He said, and, I'll, and God will do it with this Philistine too. And, and the faith was so strong in the room, in the tent, that the king said, I believe you. Go. Go. Go do it. Hallelujah. And he did do it. Oh, it's a matter of record in the annals of faith. Oh, somebody say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. This is how faith goes from little to great. It's a lie to say you can't help but fear. I know millions, millions believe it. They think you can't help it, you can't help it. I'm sorry, I try not to, but I can't. Lie, it's a lie. Can you control what you think about? Now, we, we've already talked about that. If, you, if you're losing the battle internally, silently, mentally, come on, what do you do? What do you do? Open your mouth and superimpose what you choose to think on your mind. And if when you get quiet, it comes back, start talking again. Right? Start talking to him, just like he did. And what do you talk about instead of the problem? You talk about what God said. You talk about what he has done. You remember. Come on, you remember, and it will stir your faith up. Hallelujah. And the stronger your faith gets, the weaker your fear gets. It'll push out the fear. It'll push out the darkness, the depression, the anxiety. Oh, there's nothing more wonderful than being full of faith. Amen. I'm telling you what, it gives you peace. It gives you joy. The joy gives you strength. It pleases God and makes him happy. And when he's happy, everybody ought to be happy. Is that right? People say, well, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That ain't a verse. That ain't a scripture. You need to get rid of that. It's if God's not happy, you need to get to changing. Is that right? Amen. But if he's happy, yeah. you're about to see some miracles. Come on, you're about to see some healings and provision and deliverance. Did they see a miracle when David went out and faced that Philistine, Goliath? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And it was because he refused to consider what would defeat him, and he just remembered what God had done and took it the rest of the way. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody.